Welcome to Christian Medical and Dental Association's Chapel. We trust this message will encourage your walk with the Lord. You know, it's important at all stages of life to keep our affairs in order. Um, Gay and I have been working on that, updating things over the last year. But I read about a guy who went to his attorney and said, look, um, I want to make some changes to my will, but I really don't know how to go about it. The attorney says, oh, don't worry, just leave everything to me. The guy thought for a moment, he said, well, I really expected to pay you, but I was really wanting to leave most of the things to my children. <laughs> There's a little darkness or lack of light in that uh, communication they had. But I'm going to talk about light today. And as a friend of mine said, he just hopes it's illuminating. So, let's start with a quiz. Who in the scripture is referred to as light? Who wants to give me an answer? God, Jesus, Satan, you? Good, Kara got it. That's a little trick question. The reason you were pausing because you thought, well, you know, that one is, that one is. It's all the above, and we're going to look to see how that is. But first, let's take a definition of light. In Merriam-Webster, it says light is something that makes vision possible. Google Dictionary says a natural agent that stimulates sight and makes things visible. And Wikipedia says visible light is electromagnetic radiation that can be perceived by the human eye. You see what the common denominator in all these is? It's the human eye. Light is not light unless it can be perceived by the human eye. So in a sense, like beauty's in the eye of the beholder, well, light's in the eye of the beholder. It needs human eye to be light. But light is made up of little packets of energy we call photons, but actually when it's traveling, it's traveling like a wave. It's one of those quantum mysteries where something can act like a particle but also act like a wave. And I think over time we're going to get a little smarter about understanding light. There's a lot more we don't understand about it. And we'll understand this particle-wave interaction. But light is fast. In fact, it's the fastest thing in nature. It travels at 300 million meters a second. There's no way we can understand that. But think of it this way. In the time it takes my hand to make a circle like that, light could travel around the circumference of the Earth. If light could travel in a curve, it normally doesn't unless it's in some kind of medium. But light travels straight. But in the time it takes my hand to make this circle, light could travel around the circumference of the Earth seven and a half times. That's fast. Now, it's fast, but space is big. For we know the nearest star is 4.4 light years away. It takes 4.4 years for that light to reach us, and there's stars out there farther, much, much farther than that. So light is also a very important constant in nature. Constant, and that speed is constant when it's going through a vacuum. If it goes through other mediums, it can slow down. But in a vacuum, it goes at a constant speed. But it's also a mathematical constant by which many other things in the universe are understood, such as the relationship between mass and energy. Remember Einstein? E equals mc squared. Well, C is velocity of light, 300 million meters a second. And then you multiply it times itself, in the use of that formula. So light is incredibly fast and also an important variable or uh, part of making us understand the world around us. It's also interesting that light, the way it works, if you had a 
say, a baseball pitcher standing on the front of a train, and the train is traveling at 90 miles an hour, and the baseball pitcher can throw a ball at 90 miles an hour, and he's standing on the front, and he throws it forward, well, for a short time, until air resistance hits it, that ball will be traveling at 180 miles an hour. But if you've got a train that's now traveling at the speed of light, the light shining out the front of the train can't go any faster than the speed of light, so that light just stays right there with the train as it moves forward. Theoretically, that's the way it works. We'll look at some more interesting things. So, darkness. Darkness is simply the absence of light. That makes sense, doesn't it? But it has some interesting applications. I don't know if we'll have time to get into it today, but we also know it has significance in the spiritual concept of light, which we'll get to. You ever use the phrase in just a jiffy? Jiffy is actually a measurement, a unit of time. It's the time it takes light to travel in a vacuum one centimeter. How long do you think that time interval is? So I don't think any of you have ever done something in a jiffy. It's far too short of a period of time. So don't try to use that with your supervisor. Well, light provides warmth. Those little packets of energy, when they hit things, they warm them up. And when the light from the sun hits the earth, it warms it up. And without that warmth, there could be no life on earth. A lot of our warmth comes from the core of the earth, but the additional warmth comes from the sun. And it keeps the earth at a warmth temperature in which we can live. Photosynthesis, packets of light, put energy into plants, and without that, we would not exist. Light's important for our mental health. If you have, you know, you may know somebody with seasonal affective disorder. When they have less light in the winter, they get depressed. But if you put somebody in a cave or in a cell in darkness, they're going to get psychotic from the absence of light. Light's important for that. We talked about the closest light. Interesting, at the speed of light, some phenomenal things happen. Now, we can't actually produce this, but we can measure things as they speed up and see what's happening to them and then project what will be happening to them if we could get them to the speed of light. At the speed of light, time stops. Now, it's got a spiritual implication. Hang on with me, okay? It's not just a physics lecture. Time stops and dimensions decrease to zero. Keep that in mind. Sort of mind-boggling in it. At the speed of light, time spot stops and dimensions decrease to zero. And light is only a small part of the electromagnetic spectrum, and we'll get back to that. So, the Bible has a lot to say about light. It starts with light. In the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. That's sort of a summary statement. And then it goes on to start giving some details about how he created the heavens and the earth. There was a darkness, a void on the face of the earth. There was a darkness. So God said, let there be light. And there was light, and it was good. In the very beginning. What we also see at the very end of the scripture, there's also references to light. We'll come back to that. So the scripture is bookended by comments about light. You make, make you think it's sort of important. So in light, there's a light, the word light is used 250 times, at least in scripture, 47 times in the gospel, 16 times in John. And in John, Every reference to light, every time the word light is used, it's used to reference Jesus. We'll look at some of those. And we know that in Scripture, light is a metaphor for righteousness and goodness and God. And darkness is the representation of sin and evil. So, what does the Bible say about 
God. And God is. Three things it says God is. Love, light, and spirit. John 4, spirit. 1 John 4, love. And in 1 John 1, 5, God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. Go back and think about those properties we talked about, about light. See, it makes me sort of understand a little bit about why God, why God allowed himself to be identified with light. Light's fast. Fastest thing we know. Light at light, speed of light, time stands still. Dimensions decrease to zero. God is light, therefore he has no boundaries that we understand. No time boundaries. He has infinite amount of time to deal with the things that we are constrained to within time. He has no spatial dimensions because they all decrease to zero. So therefore, he doesn't, it's not limited by the three dimensions that we have. He can be wherever, at any time, instantly that he wants to be. It's just interesting to look at those things. He's not bound by the things that we are. Second Samuel says in chapter 22, You, O Lord, are my lamp. The Lord turns my darkness into light. That's what he does to the world. He provided light into the darkness, and he will also do that into our lives. In Isaiah 60, 19, The sun shall be no more your light by day. No, the sun shall be no more your light by day, nor the brightness of the moon give you light, but the Lord will be your everlasting light, and your God will be your glory. Again, many references we don't have time to go through today about God and light. So, our view of God is limited, like our view of light is limited. This is a graph showing you the electromagnetic spectrum. The only problem is the little sliver they call it, carve out to show you the segment where the light spectrum is is a bit deceiving because the light portion of the electromagnetic spectrum makes up 0.0035%. So that sliver would be so small you couldn't see it on a graph. Think about that. 35 thousandths percent of the light spectrum is light. That's probably more percentage of the light spectrum than the percentage of what we understand God to be. God is far, far greater than we can understand. Romans 11.33 says, Oh, the depths and riches and wisdom of knowledge of God, how unsearchable are your, His judgments and how inscrutable His ways. Inscrutable means just meaning impossible for us to understand. Light is beyond our knowing like God is way beyond our knowing and understanding. <clears throat> and Jesus is light. Isaiah prophesied this in chapter 9 where he said, People who walked in darkness have seen a great light. And we know he goes on in that same chapter to further describe who that great light's going to be. The wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father and prince of peace. And Matthew in chapter 4, in talking of the coming of Jesus, he quotes that he is going to... He is that great light. It just stands the reason that Jesus said, I and the Father are one, that he would be equated with light like his Father is equated with light. And he says so 
In him was light and the light. These are all references from John's gospel. Remember, 16 times he mentions light and all of them reference Jesus. Here's just a few of them. In him was life and the life was, in the, was the light of men. In John 1, 5, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. In John 1, 6 and 7, John the Baptist was sent to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. Light of the world, all would, could believe through him. And in John 1, 9, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. <clears throat> when Jesus was brought as a little baby to the temple, Simeon was there, a priest, and he made this prophecy, for my eyes have seen the salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles. It's hard for us to appreciate how unnerving and how unimaginable that was for a Jew that a, yet a baby was coming to be a light, not just to the Jews, but to the Gentiles, to the whole world. But Simeon saw that through the power of the Holy Spirit prophesying through him. In John 8, Jesus, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And in John 9, I am the light of the world. So it doesn't stop there. Remember our list of who is references light in the world? Well, we are to be light. Jesus in Matthew 5, remember he's talking about us being salt and light. We're not to hide our light under a bushel, under a basket. He says, you are the light of the world. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to God who is in heaven. We are to be that light. And Paul reminds us of that again in Ephesians 5 where he says, For at one time you were darkness, sin, evil, encompassed your life. But now you're the light of the Lord. Walk as children of light. That's our admonition. <clears throat> we also said Satan was included on that list because in 2 Chronicles uh, Corinthians, Paul reminds us that he is an angel of light. He disguises himself as an angel of light. And Jesus made that clear when he's speaking to about the scribes and Pharisees and says, you are the father of the devil. He is a liar. But not only that, he's the father of lies. He's the author of all deception in the world. If there's a deception in your life, it comes right out of the pit of hell because Satan is the father of lies. He doesn't walk in light. He has no part of it. So light is intended to guide us in many ways, in physical ways. We can put a light on and see a pathway into the cave or into a dark night. But also God wants us to have that light hidden in our heart as a guide to us and as a guide to those around us. And uh, Psalms 19, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. In um, Matthew 2, we see that the light of the star is what guided the wise men to Jesus. And when they found him, they had exceeding great joy. And that same light will guide us to Jesus. And we can have that exceeding great joy. In Luke 1, Zechariah, the Zechariah who was the father of John the Baptist, in prophesying about the coming of Jesus... He said that Jesus was coming because of the tender mercy of our God to give light to those who sit in darkness. His purpose, again, 
reiterated all throughout Scripture, using light as the metaphor, as the reference point for that. <clears throat> and there's a future light that awaits us. As we talked about in Revelation 22, and there will be no more light, night will be no more, and there will be no light of the lamp of the sun, for the Lord will be their light. John Burke has written just a fascinating book called Imagine Heaven. He's a pastor of a, a large church, and what he did, he went and collected all the research that's been done on people around the world in all cultures who've had near-death experiences. He excluded all the people who tell their story for fame and fortune. And the researchers who look into this, they actually go through medical records to find people who've had near-death experiences, and they go and ask them to tell their stories, and almost to the person, they're reluctant to do so. It's sort of like... Paul in talking about having been carried into the third heaven he says just indescribable what he experienced there I think he had a near-death experience but these people thousands of them tens of thousands of them around the world have been researched and they first are so reluctant because they say words just can't tell I can't explain it but they they say well do the best you can it's book I'd recommend you read because it'll leave you just thrilled about the prospects of what's ahead of us but two of the common denominators that were just carried through almost everybody's story was that of experiencing love and light in their near-death experience, in their vision of God, in their visions of heaven. But the light they describe just emanates from everything, and every color, color is so vivid and so far beyond the palette of colors that we understand today. They said it's just indescribable, that light and those colors that come that they experienced in those times when they were in heaven. So, the whole purpose of talking about this is to get back to how it applies to our life. Scripture says, Jesus says, you are the light of the world. And let your light so shine. And Paul says to walk as children of the light. God has given us the task of being that visible part of the electromagnetic spectrum. We're not the total essence of God manifest, but he said that we could be his visible light in the world. That light reflects through us to a world around us of darkness and sin. And we can be that light of righteousness to influence the world around us. Just a tiny bit of the electromagnetic spectrum is all he's asking us to be. So the question then becomes, how many lumens do you have? You know, that's how we buy light bulbs these days. We don't not buy wattage as much as lumens. So what, what, is, what is your lumen and how attractive is and how bright is it to the world? It's an important question. We're clearly commanded to be this to the world. So we ought to stop and take an inventory of our lives from time to time to ask, are we being the light that God calls us to? Maybe he has a different hue, a different illumination, certainly a different audience for all of us to bring light to. But we need to ask our question, are we doing that, carrying his light forth to the world? Let's take a moment just in meditation to let the Holy Spirit speak to us and see if there's any darkness in us that needs to have the light of God brought into it. And if there's any lack of shining that light to others that needs to be revealed to us so God can use us better as a witness of him. Father, we thank you for Jesus who is the light of the world and 
a reflection. And indeed, he is your light. And in him there's no shadow of darkness. For he brings the light of righteousness and goodness and redemption, forgiveness of sins into our lives. And we thank you for that. Something we certainly don't deserve. But because of your love and mercy, you have brought light into our lives. And now, Lord, as faithful servants who want to surrender to you, we pray that you would equip us with that light. Let us be submitted to let that light then be reflected to others around us in a way that brings glory to you, brings the gospel message of Jesus to those around about us in a world that's progressively darkening. That we might be that candle, of that ray, that beacon, Lord, to those that uh, we come in contact with. And that Jesus Christ might be lifted up and you glorified. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.